Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. I'm into my fourth week of teaching on a better way to pray. And I tell you, we are covering some powerful, powerful things. Uh, I'm talking primarily this week about how to receive your needs meant through prayer. But let me just once again say that this is not the majority of prayer. On my programs last week, I taught that prayer is primarily just for relationship with God. And we ought to enter His courts with praise, be thankful unto Him, bless His name. That's what prayer is really about. And I believe this is just andeology. I don't have a scripture to stand on, but in my personal relationship, my requests, things that I'm believing for are 10% or less of my prayer life. The vast majority of prayer is just loving God and thanking Him, communing with Him, and just fellowshipping with Him. And I believe if we put this in its proper perspective, then you don't have to ask as much. You don't have as many needs because in the presence of the Lord, you just get to where God satisfies every desire that you have. So I want to say those things just to put this into perspective. But then this week I have been talking about that there is a place to believe and receive and have your needs met. And I've been using Mark chapter 11 where Jesus cursed a fig tree. He went to it to get figs. And when he got there, there weren't any figs on it. And it wasn't time for figs, but also it wasn't time for leaves. A fig tree in Israel that has leaves also should have figs. And so this tree was out of order. It wasn't functioning the way that he created it to be. And as creator, when he came to it and found out that there weren't any figs on it, he just cursed this fig tree. He spoke to it. He didn't do anything in the natural. And then when his disciples the next day saw what had happened, they were amazed and they began to ask him about this. And he taught them how they could get this kind of results. And so we've been using Mark eleven twenty three. It says... For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now I've already spent three days on this verse. I spent last Friday and Monday and Tuesday. So I've already covered a lot of things. I hadn't got time to go back and say it. But let me just say that the whole emphasis here is that faith is released by words. You could say that faith or the power of God is voice activated. I've been really stressing how important words are. He said three times here, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things that he saith shall come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. There's three times he put the emphasis on words. On our program yesterday, I was emphasizing how you not only need to say the right things, but instead of talking to God about your problem, you need to understand God has given us authority and power, and you need to take your authority, and instead of speaking to God and asking Him to heal you, to prosper you, to do whatever, you need to take your authority and speak to whatever your problem is. 
In this instance, the problem was this fig tree, a barren fig tree. And so he cursed it and spoke to the fig tree. He didn't speak to his father and ask his father to kill the fig tree. He took his authority and he spoke to the fig tree and it died. Likewise, we aren't supposed to say, Oh God, would you please heal me? The Bible says, 1 Peter 2, 24, By his stripes we were healed. It puts it in the past tense. Jesus suffered stripes for your healing 2,000 years ago, and this healing power has been deposited on the inside of you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says that the same power, according to the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the power that you have working on the inside of you, raising from the dead power. So you don't need to approach God as if you have nothing and can do nothing. If you've been born again, you have had God give you His authority and power, and He told you to speak to the mountain. You speak to the sickness. You command sickness to be gone. Man, that's powerful. I've, I talked about that yesterday. I could talk about that all day again today because this is just so different than what most people think. Again, if you've missed any of this teaching, please get the materials that we're offering because you need to get hold of this truth. This is important. So I talked about you have to speak to your problem, speak to the mountain, whatever the problem is. And notice it goes on to say that you have to speak to the mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart. There are some people that go through the motions, and they may even take what I've said, or they've heard somebody else like this, and they'll say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to do this. Body, I command you to be healed, or whatever. But then they doubt in their heart. And you can't doubt. You've got to get to the place that you remove doubt. And I could literally unplug right here and spend a week or more talking about how doubt enters in, how we live in a culture full of doubt, how we expose ourselves to doubt that we never should have. I could go back and talk about Abraham in Romans chapter 4. It talks about who against hope he believed in hope. And he did not consider his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. And I could use Abraham and talk about this. Again, I don't want to just get off and just teach on faith versus doubt, but you've got to get to where you don't doubt in your heart. And that's easier said than done. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, likewise, I believe that doubt comes by hearing and hearing anything that is contrary to God's Word. And brothers and sisters, most of us are way, way too influenced by the world. We are way too friendly with the world. We listen to too much stuff. We watch the same doubt and unbelief. We hear the same doubt and unbelief reports and then wonder why it is that we struggle with doubt. It's because we listen to people who aren't believers, people who are criticizing and just doubt everything. They ridicule and make fun of people who have faith and that believe that the Word of God is true and stuff. And if you are plugged into that, it is going to influence you. It is going to affect you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. If you want to be in faith and speak and not doubt in your heart, you are going to have to be literally dominated and controlled by the Word of God. And very, very, very few Christians are willing to go there. 
Most Christians would like the results that this is talking about, but they don't do, want to do what it takes to get the results. And so they expose their heart to things that just cause conflict. You know, your heart is like ground. And I could go to Mark chapter 4 and teach this. And it says that the Word of God is like a seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 14, when it talks about the sower sowing the seed, it says the seed is the Word of God. So this whole parable is about the seed. And these seeds, the Word of God, is planted in people's hearts. And the, the heart is like dirt, is what it's compared to in that parable. And if you plant the Word of God in there, then you have all of these things come against it. But if you don't give up, it'll bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, 100 fold. But your heart not only produces growth for the seed of God's Word, any seeds thrown in it, if it's seeds of doubt, if it's seeds of anger, if it's seeds of bitterness, if it's seeds of lust, if it's seeds of covetousness, whatever you put in you, and the way it gets in you is through your eyes, through your ears, through your mind. The things that you expose yourself to, all of these things, they are putting seeds on the inside of you. And if you expose yourself to all of the seeds, the unbelief, the doubt, the hatred, the things that are out there, and if you just let these things come in you, your heart doesn't know the difference between the seed of God's Word and the seed of doubt and the seed of fear and everything else. Whatever it is that you are putting on the inside of you, your heart just starts helping that thing to germinate and produce life on the inside of you. If you, if you want to get to where you believe and doubt not in your heart, one of the best ways to do it is to limit your exposure to all of the doubt and the unbelief and the terrible things that are in this world. Now, I don't believe God wants us to live in a monastery and totally withdraw from the world. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that we sure could limit the exposure dramatically. And most people don't. You are going to have to get to where you doubt not in your heart. And look at this. It says, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Boy, now this is important. You not only have to believe in God and believe in the promises of God, but this is saying you have to believe that your words come to pass. You have to believe that when you say something, it's going to come to pass. And again, most people do not believe this. We haven't been taught to put that kind of faith in words. And to prove it, people all of the time, they'll say things like, I'll be over at your house at 7 o'clock. And they may not even leave home until 7 o'clock. They, they may get there at 7.15 or 7.30. You know, I had a guy come one time and he wanted to put an alarm system into our building. And so I talked to him on the phone. I invited him to come over. He set an appointment. I forgot what time it was, but it was something like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I have a lot of things to do. And I had other things going and I had to schedule it. I think I gave him like 30 minutes to make this presentation. Well, anyway, the guy shows up about 10, 20, 20 minutes late or something like that. And when he walked in, he said, oh, I'm sorry I'm late, but I got caught in traffic. And then he says, here I am. And he started to, into his spill. Well, I noticed on his belt, he had a cell phone. So he had a cell phone. He could have called, but he didn't. And so I just mentioned that to him. I said, well, I see that you've got a cell phone. Why didn't you call? 
And he says, oh, well, I, you know, I was just caught in traffic, but I'm here now. Everything's fine. And so he was going to give me his presentation. And I just met him at the front door and I said, I don't need you. I don't, I don't want your business. I said, you aren't going to get my business. And he says, well, why not? And I said, because you're 20 minutes late. And he said, well, you know, he says, things happen. And I said, well, I understand that something could happen, but you also could have called. And I said, you didn't value my time. If this is the way you treat me before you get my business, then what's it going to be like after you get my business? And I just meant the guy and I told him, you can turn around and leave. And I know some people think that that's strict, but I tell you, I honor my word. If I tell you that I'm going to be someplace, I will be someplace. Now, there's times that I make mistakes and times that I fail, but if I do, I'll Man, I'll call a person. I'll do whatever I can. I mean, as much as I can. If I tell you I'll do something, I'll do something. And see, if you're the kind that you say you'll be someplace for an appointment at 10 and you don't get there until 10.05 and 10.20, if you, you know, we take people with us to our meetings and our students travel with us. And we've had a few students that, you know, we say we're leaving at seven o'clock in the morning. We got to drive to the next place. Well, you can just count on these people that they aren't going to be there until 7.15 or 7.30. And I mean, we have talked to people about this and told them this is unacceptable, but it, they just had a habit of being late. And we actually have left people and gone to the next city and they are on their own. And I know some of you think that's terrible, but people, there are some people that just chronically do not keep their word. You can't trust what they say. And people like that, are not people that I want to hang around. That is not the way that I want to live. You can't live that way and then just all of a sudden switch over into Mark chapter 11, verse 23, that now I, I speak to this mountain and I believe that what I say is going to come to pass and I do not doubt in my heart. You can't live your whole life just saying things and not meaning what you say and not following through with what you say. And then all of a sudden turn a switch and now you are going to believe that what you say comes to pass. You confuse your own heart. You know, the scripture says a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. A righteous man, a godly person is a person who speaks the word, who speaks the truth. If they say something, they are going to do what they say. And you need to get to where you live a life like that. You just can't live a life that is inconsistent where you say one thing and do another. And then when you get into a crisis, now you're going to speak to the mountain and you are going to believe that what you say comes to pass. You've confused your own heart. Your own heart doesn't believe you. You didn't mean what you say. You said you were going to lose weight. You said you were going to do this. You said you were going to be at a certain place on time. You say all kinds of things and you don't mean anything you say and your heart is confused. And then you start trying to believe with your heart and your heart doesn't believe you. There needs to be a consistency in your life. You need to get to where words are important. You need to get to where you, when you say something, you do what you say. Now, you can go to an extreme here. I'm not talking about perfectionism and I'm not talking about being so strict that you have no tolerance for anybody. But when people just don't even make an attempt, they don't even try. And you can tell that, you know, words aren't important to them. They are going to promise you the moon and they, and it's just, it's just a spill. It's not the truth. I guarantee you, I don't, I don't encourage that kind of stuff. I don't support that. I don't foster that. And I don't believe that the Word of God does. 
This is what Jesus is saying. And one of the reasons that Jesus was able to speak to this fig tree and say something, and it came to pass because he did not doubt in his heart. He hadn't been watching the news. He hadn't been hearing people talk about that, you know, you can't believe the word. You can't do this. You can't trust the promises of God. Man, he believed and he doubted not in his heart. And he knew that when he said something, it came to pass. Jesus, it says in Colossians chapter 1, is the one that created the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. And did you know it was four days later before he created the sun, the moon, and the stars? Jesus spoke light into existence before there was a source for light to come from, as we know it. And he spoke it, and it came to pass. And Jesus knows that when he says something, it's going to come to pass. He doesn't say things that he doesn't mean. He doesn't use slang and terminology that, you know, he just says something and it doesn't mean anything. I mean, he believes his words. The whole world is held together by the integrity of His Word. This is the way you are going to have to get if you want to see the results that Jesus saw. And I'm talking about prayer, and I'm telling you that this is the way that you see your needs supernaturally supplied, is that you have to get to where when you pray and believe for something, you thank God for what He's already done, you receive His authority and power, and then you speak to whatever your problem is. You have to use your tongue. The power of God is voice activated. And you have to start speaking words consistent with what you want and not doubt in your heart. And if you are plugged into the world and plugged into doubt and constantly having things fed to you, seeds planted in your heart that are contrary to what you're believing for, you're just spitting in the wind. You're wasting your time. You are having a conflict because you are receiving all of this doubt and unbelief. You know, it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it's verse 33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And I know that there's people watching this program right now that you're saying, well, you know, I'm not as sensitive to this. Sure, I hear a lot of doubt and unbelief, and I watch movies and shows that are totally contrary to my belief system, my values, and stuff like that, but it doesn't bother me. I can handle it. Well, then I would say, based on 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that you are deceived. Because it says, don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. If you think that you can just saturate yourself with the doubt, the unbelief, the values, the criticism, the attitudes, uh, all of these things of the unbelievers, and it doesn't affect you, you are deceived. Now, all of us are in this world, and I, again, don't believe that we're supposed to live a totally separated life. We're the salt of the earth. We can't salt the world unless we get out of the shaker. God doesn't want us to live in just monasteries and withdraw and somehow or another try and be totally isolated from everything. We've got to have contact with the world. And if, the, if you are living a normal life and you are having uh, the world come at you and we are being bombarded through all of these different things, there is going to be some exposure to the world. And I believe that we can overcome that we can fight against it. One of the ways you do it is Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. 
every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Notice, it says no weapon formed against you. And then the next phrase is, and every tongue that rises against you. Words are weapons. This is how Satan attacks you and attacks your faith. And it says, every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. Now, I don't believe we're supposed to live a totally separated life. We are supposed to live a separated life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, saith the Lord, and I'll be a father unto you, and you'll be my children. So yes, we are supposed to live a separated life, but not in monasteries. We do have to have daily uh, dealings with people at work. You're going to come across people. We, we can limit the influence. You don't have to pay hundreds of dollars a month to have all of this doubt and unbelief piped into your home and pay to have murder and adultery and terrible things and sit there and watch it. You can limit that, but you are going to have some exposure to these things. How do you deal with it? When a tongue arises against you in judgment, anytime something is done that is contrary to the truth of God's Word, the Scripture says in Isaiah 54, 17, you shall condemn it. That's the way that you keep this weapon from prospering. You condemn it. You know, I don't watch the news a lot. The way I get most of my news is either when I go on the internet to get my reports every day, I'll see little blips and I'm, and if I'm interested, I might read it or I'll turn on the radio at the top of the hour. And in two minutes, they give me a brief summary. And that's you know, I can usually handle two minutes worth of their doubt and unbelief. But even then, they'll say things like, it's flu season. Have you got the flu yet? Rather than let those words come into me that there's a season that the word doesn't work, I'll sit there and I'll condemn it. You can ask my wife. We'll be driving along and I'll say, no, in the name of Jesus, it's not flu season for me. I don't believe in getting the flu. And I'll condemn and cast those words down. You know, it's like I was using that example that your heart is ground and whatever seeds are playing in it, it just begins to germinate. If I'm around somebody and they begin to speak negative things and I don't want to offend them, my tendency in the past has been just to not say anything, to smile. And then when I get by myself, start trying to rebuke those things and cast it down and no, I don't receive this. I found out it's a lot easier that the moment I hear something, if I'll deal with it right then, it's like it never germinates. It never is a problem. And I've just gotten to where when people go to speak in unbelief around me, I'll counter it. And I'll be as nice about it as I possibly can. Many times people don't do it intentionally. They don't even realize what they're saying. I've had people say things like, oh man, I just believe that I'm never going to prosper. And they go to speak in negative. And so I'll sit there and kind of in a joking way, well, I'll agree with you. I'll just agree that you're never going to prosper. And boy, they'll just be shocked. Like, what are you saying? I said, well, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is that what you re really want? And see, in a positive way, I've shown them that no, this is wrong. And so we begin to counter it and change it. You can be as nice about it as you possibly can, but nonetheless, you need to sit there. And when words come against you, they are weapons and the way you keep these weapons from prospering is you condemn them. You judge them. You say, no, in the name of Jesus, I will not receive this. Or if somebody is speaking, you know, doubt and unbelief, just counter it with faith. If they're speaking the negative, just speak the positive. But some way or another, you've got to counter this and you've got to get to where you get to a place where you believe that what you say 
comes to pass and you don't doubt it in your heart. And if you will do that and speak to the problem, not to God, but to the problem and believe in your heart, not doubt, believe that those words come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. Man, that's powerful. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? I'd like to give you a special invitation to come and taste what Karis Bible College is going to be like. We have Karis Day on July the 27th, and any location that we have around the world, you can go to that local location, and I'm going to be teaching. We also are going to have Mike and Carrie Pickett, the head of World Outreach, and some other instructors there. We are going to be taking questions and answers and interacting with you, and you will get a real taste of what Karis Bible College is all about. So check it out, July the 27th, at a location near you, our Karis Day. Join us, you'll never be the same. Bring Karis with you wherever you go with our new Karis app. Receive exclusive Grace content and explore unique Karis features. Watch or listen to archived resources and teachings. Follow along with the Bible reading plan or listen to the audio Bible. The Karis app brings everything in one place. Download your app today. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of The Gospel Truth. Andrew and Jamie wish to share their sincere gratitude for all the grace partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your generous partnership enables us to take the gospel, the nearly too good to be true news, to the ends of the earth. May God richly bless you for your faithfulness. If you're not already partnering with Andrew Womack Ministries, we encourage you to join us in this great harvest today. You know, this teaching on a better way to pray is powerful, and it leads right into the believer's authority. So we have put these together in a package, and you can get both of these books, which really you need this believer's authority as the next step and you can get either the uh, CD or DVD on A Better Way to Pray, and the same thing with the Believer's Authority and either CD or DVD. If you'll listen to our announcer, he'll give you all of the information, and please call or write today. Andrew's teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, A Better Way to Pray and The Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book 
study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching, so be sure to respond today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today.